Good morning and welcome to Faithbrook Church. I'm Chrissy Thompson, our Connections Director. We are so glad to have you here with us. And if you're online, welcome to you as well. If you're newer here, please grab one of these blue connection cards from the seat pocket in front of you. Fill it out and drop it in the giving box on the way out. Or you can do that online at faithbrook.church forward slash connect. We look forward to hearing from you and getting to know you. I personally will follow up with you this week. Well, at Faithbrook, we love God, we love people, and we journey together. And we encourage you to journey together with your whole family this August for our family camp. It'll be August 10th through the 13th up at Alexandria, Minnesota at their Lake Geneva Christian Center. We went last year with our family and we had a blast. We enjoyed the coffee shops, the group s'mores that we had. There's a giant slip and slide, a blob, a whole bit. So we hope that you join us for our family camp. You can register for that and get more information um, through our Church Center app. You'll see the event Family Camp and then you'll be able to follow the link to register. So we hope that you join us to have an awesome time building your faith as a family. Let's now welcome our lead pastor, Jim Comfort, as we wrap up our series, Here, Near, and Far. Good morning. Welcome to Faithbrook. I'm Pastor Jim. It's good to have you today online and in person. I know many of you, this may be your first time here, your second time. We're so glad that you're taking a chance on checking out our church. We are in a series called Here, Near, and Far. Now, this has been inspired by Christ's vision out of Acts 1-8. When they asked him about his return, he said, don't worry so much about that. But what you need to worry about is my vision and dream for you. For when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you're going to be my witnesses. You're going to be my ambassadors right here in your hometown, Jerusalem, and next door in Judea and Samaria, and even to the ends of the earth. And so we've been taking the month of June here to look at how God is moving here, near, and far. Uh, the first week we talked about just stories of individuals, how God used them to influence others, to encourage others, some amazing stories. The second week we talked about our church, celebrated how we are making an impact here, near, and far, from families to adults to teenagers. Some amazing, great things are happening through Faithbrook. We're on this journey to love God, love people, journey together. And last week, we talked about the near. We looked at Waconia, where a, a family, Dee and Amanda McDonald, had a vision and a, and a dream in their heart to start a new work, a new church in Waconia. And Faithbrook is going to try to encourage them, sponsor them, and help them in Waconia. And this week, we are going far. So how are we making an impact? What is God doing around the world if he calls us to be a witness, not only in our hometown and our next towns, but to the ends of the earth? What does that look like? How can we participate in that? Well, we're lucky enough, fortunate enough that this church is part of a uh, 2.7 member movement called the Church of the Nazarene. By the way, that term Church of the Nazarene was Jesus Christ's nickname. He was the Nazarene guy. So we call ourselves the Church of the Nazarene. There's 2.7 million of us. There's over 31,000 churches globally that we're just one of them. And today we have a couple that is members here at our church. But they at one time were full-time missionaries around the world on, on behalf of this movement. Their names are Rich and Bonnie Walker. Great people. 
And I'm going to invite them to come up and share their story, how God worked in their personal hearts and their calling to global missions and how we can all be a part of it, uh, making an impact and being a witness here, near, and especially far. So why don't we give uh, Rich and Bonnie a warm welcome this morning. Welcome. Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, we've been attending Faithbrook for about 10 years. And just to give, a little, give you a little background about us, uh, Rich grew up in Rochester and I grew up in Apple Valley. We both attended Nazarene churches. And we came to know and love Jesus at young ages and were in church whenever the doors were open. Uh, I had the privilege of having a former missionary as my pastor when I was in my um, junior high and high school years. And uh, so we had a close connection with missions in our church. We talked about it a lot. It was a, it was a big part of who we were. And I grew up loving missions. Our youth groups were also important to us and our youth leaders. And um, the people in our youth groups were a big part of making us who we are today, both spiritually and personally. Well, let me interject here. Uh, you'll notice that Bonnie's hair doesn't look the same in these two pictures, but I'm wearing the same shirt and tie in both of them. I'm embarrassed about that, but I thought it was worth putting up there anyway, because it was real. So, uh, we met at kids camp much earlier than these years. People always say, oh, how cute. Were you counselors at kids camp? No. No, we were kids. We were 11 or 12 years old, and we met at kids camp. But it was not love at first sight or second, or third on my part, at least. No comment. <laughs> so um, when, we were in, when we were in teen camp, they had a formal dinner, a formal dinner, on the last night of camp. And uh, it was very common. The, the, um, all of the counselors served the, the students that were there, the campers. And it was very common for people to couple up and have a date to this dinner. And Rich and I were never couples during the week, but somehow we often ended up together at that dinner. So that's just kind of who we were. Um, but it didn't really go anywhere until we were sophomore or juniors in college, and Rich had volunteered to be part of uh, a, the an orientation week for incoming freshmen, and it was supposed to be a student coupled with a professor to give the incoming students an orientation. Unfortunately, there weren't enough professors that were available, and so Rich asked me if I would like to go to school a week early and, and join him and help him out, because everybody else had somebody else they were working with. So I said, sure, why not? And so we spent lots of time together during that week, um, got really close to the, in, the freshmen that we were working with. They called us mom and dad. And because of all that time that we spent together, eventually we started dating that year. And our relationship is a story of ups and downs and good things and not so good things that is too long to tell now. Um, but eventually, God worked in us to bring us together for good. And so that's why we're here today. So when we used to do this all the time, we tried to be as interactive as possible. And we used to play games. We used to play Jeopardy, where we would get the uh, audience involved or we would play uh, Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader? We don't have that kind of time today, but I do have a question or two for you. When somebody stands up like this in front of you and says the word missionary, two things. What kind of people do you think of and what kind of work do you think that they do? Just shout it out. 
Don't be afraid. I know you all talk. I, can, I know some of you. Helpful? All right, I can go with that. Helpful. All right, let's have some more. Hardworking. Hard All right. Adventurous. Adventurous. All right. What, what do they do? Evangelistic. Oh, there we go. Preacher. Preacher. Somebody said evangelistic. Doctor. That's a good one. We know one of those. Nurse. Doctor. Nurse. Building schools. Building schools. Uh, building schools. Teachers. Yeah. Bible translation. Bible translation. Great. Accounting. Accounting. All right, somebody cheated. Uh, I'll put that down here. <laughs> Thank you. Living in the jungle. There's a song in my head now. <laughs> Engineers, IT tech. Is, somebody else is cheating. IT tech. We'll just leave it at that. Overseas. They go oh, overseas. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Eating yes, strange food. Yes, they, we don't have too many of those stories, thankfully. All right, that might be good enough to get us rolling. I think so. All right. Well, my missionary adventure started when I was in college. I was part of a handbell choir, and we did a tour of Portugal, and that was considered a mission trip. Um, and through that, that time that I spent in Portugal, my local church made a connection with the missionaries who were there, and our church ended up doing two working witness trips that, Rich, that I was part of. Rich was part of one of them, and I can't remember if they did more uh, later or not. Uh, but that's, that really got us started on being involved personally in missions um, more than just supporting missionaries with prayers and money. Um, so a few years later, we had the missionaries, um, the, the Fishers, John and Shirley Fisher, who were actually from this church, John is from this church originally. They came to our church and they spoke about that they were volunteer missionaries and uh, that God had called them to, um, John had figured it out, he was an accountant, he figured out they could go for six months, they closed up their house, went to uh, Venezuela, and were good to go. And this was... 10 years later, and they were still volunteering in Venezuela at the time. And he was an accountant and told of their faithfulness that when God asked, they said, okay, we'll go. We looked at each other and said, what, an accountant? We could be missionaries? It was a crazy thought for us. And because we thought, missionaries are pastors, they're doctors, they're teachers, um, they are not Rich and I. And so uh, it started out us um, down a path to pursue short-term missions, 30 to 90 days. Um, there were some roadblocks that were in the way at the time, and so we decided we would just continue supporting missionaries as they came to our church, praying for them, supporting them with funds, going on work and witness trips, and we were content with that. Well, some years later, about five years later, got an email from my aunts 
And she and my uncle were in um, Macedonia. They were looking for, uh, they were on a short-term mission, three months, uh, looking for what kind of compassionate ministries our church could do in Macedonia and a place to do that. And I emailed her back and I said, I am so jealous that it's exactly what we wanted to do. But it didn't work out. And through that connection, uh, we were able to go to Kosovo for three weeks. We helped with uh, English lessons and IT classes um, and uh, working with the the youth that were there because it was a very young church that they were starting. Um, All of them, I think, were under 16 years old and they were all male at at the time as well. Um, Because we were going to Kosovo, we had to fill out paperwork because, you know, that's what you get to do. And they saw that Rich had a degree in accounting. So they passed off our information to the people who were responsible for um, finding people to be permanent missionaries or global missionaries. And we, um, they, they called and talked to Rich and um, said, have you ever thought about using your accounting degree somewhere in the world for the church? And at the time he was doing IT, he hadn't really used his accounting degree officially, and he enjoyed his work and said, nah, that's okay, we're good. And um, That's pretty much what I said. <laughs> pretty much. I got to hear the one end of the conversation. And, uh, but, he, you know, kind of at the end said, well, we'll pray about it. And God just would not let it go. And so after a few weeks, Rich called back and he said, I give up. I give up. Um, we will. What's the next step? We'll take the next step um, to, to see what happens. And that is what we did. We just kept taking the next step and the next step. And um, that um, ended up with a call from World Mission to say, hey, would you go serve uh, doing accounting at the South America Regional Office in Buenos Aires, Argentina? Actually, they said in Buenos Aires, and I said, sure. And then I went and looked up, where is that? I had no idea where it was. (laughs) I said yes, and then I looked up where we were going. So it's... Argentina's on the bottom there. It's inside that little bump that sticks out. Um, And so we said yes and went. Um, We spent a semester at the seminary taking classes in um, cross-cultural communication and missions. And then we were on the field in Argentina for about four years doing accounting. And Rich also did IT as well. then we moved on to the Eurasia Regional Office in Busian for four years. And um, I was the admin for the regional director who's responsible for overseeing all of the work in this giant, everywhere you see green, um, landmass. And um, Rich worked for, he split his time doing IT, working for European Nazarene College that's also there in Busing in Germany, as well as the regional office. Eventually, I moved over to work at the college as the registrar for a year, and um, so that is what we did as we served as missionaries. When our... There's one more. There's, yeah, so BBC did an article on uh, Busingen. It's a little tiny piece of Germany that's completely surrounded by Switzerland, uh, so it's, it's uh, a beautiful place. Uh, our house is in the kind of the middle of that picture. And um, so it's, uh, we, like, if you love snow, but not so much snow as Minnesota has, it's a beautiful place to be. Um, 
When our time there was up, we returned to Minnesota and began attending church here not too long afterwards, and we're involved in the church in various ways, waiting to see what next step in God's adventure will be for us. All right. So the whiteboard shows us what you think about missions. Here's what Ephesians says. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. And there used to be a lot of great missionaries who would come through our churches and they would show us slides of Africa and they would show us these amazing things that they did, that they were building churches and they were evangelists and they were starting from nothing and they were turning that into something. And, uh, and I would always think, well, that sounds like a great adventure, but I am not any one of those things. I am not a prophet, an apostle, evangelist, pastor, or teacher. I am none of those things. And so... Uh, uh, I, like Bonnie said, I have a degree in business and uh, accounting and business administration. And the idea of being a missionary has always been exciting. Like, well, that sounds like, a, you know, there's a lot that goes on there. It's not just like going to the office and going back home again. And then, uh, like she said, John and Shirley Fisher came along and said, hey, I have a degree in accounting. And I thought, well, maybe there is something to this. Um, today, the missionary landscape is different. Uh, they don't need so many people who look like me to go fill a pulpit somewhere in some other country. Uh, more of what they need is the infrastructure, the people who can uh, use technology and media and uh, do finances. It's not uncommon, or at least it wasn't when we were doing it, uh, for the, the person who does the accounting on a field, uh, those big regions that you saw, they're broken down into fields, and it's not uncommon for the wife of the field director to be the person who does the accounting just because nobody else will do it. And uh, most of them are not, uh, let's say, not qualified. Most of them don't want to do it, but it needs to be done, so they do it. Um, and it is into that environment that we stepped and said, well, hey, we actually know how to do some of this stuff. And uh, that's where it started. And let's go back to Kosovo. Our story in Kosovo started about 20 years ago, uh, more than 20 years ago. Uh, if you look at the picture on the left, you can see the boot of Italy there, and then the Balkans are all to the right of that. The red picture is Kosovo, and then on the right map, you can see there is a, you know, it's like a state um, called Kosovo, and Pristina is the capital of that state. And uh, it was 2001 when we were there. The war that went on between uh, Kosovo and their neighbors had just ended in 1999, and we met a bunch of teenagers, uh, like Bonnie said, probably, I think they were all under 17, except the missionary and the lady who was helping him. Everybody else was under 17. And they had seen some uh, amazing things done to their friends, you know, and not in a good way. Uh, they had seen war uh, up close and personal. And when we were uh, with them, let's, let's go on to the next one. We helped with English classes and some computer classes. And hopefully the next slide will show us those people. Oh, uh, yeah, let's go there. So over on the right, let's start at the right on the bottom. The, the guy on the farthest right uh, with the FUBU sports shirt on, his name is Salim. Uh, another guy that we met, his name was Amir. We taught English classes and we hung out with them. Uh, one of the things that stuck with us forever uh, was that we had a, a little Bible study with them. There was just probably four or five guys, including Salim, and I think Amir was also there. And uh, they said, yes, we can have a Bible study, but let's do it in the back room where nobody's going to see us from the street, 
because all of their neighbors and everybody they know is Muslim. And they don't necessarily want to be ostracized at 15 and kicked out of the community. So they said, let's go. We'll turn off the lights. We'll sit on the floor. Nobody will see us. We'll do a Bible study back there. We did that. And while we were back there, they said, will you also please pray for us because we are teenagers and we don't know a single Christian girl. So honestly, that's a real need. And they, they were honestly willing to be Christians and worry about what happens to the rest of their lives later. Um, so let's see. Um, I know that was a long time ago. And uh, that was about 20 years, but I still remember them saying, just please pray for us that we will find women who are Christians. And uh, before we went to Argentina, we had opportunity to share in churches like this, and we would tell that story and ask people to pray for these guys. Well, let's go on to the next slide. I think it shows, this is now 20 years later, and let's start with Adona Colgesi, who's on the right on the bottom. Uh, let's see, what does she do? She is the dean of students at the Pristina High School in the capital city, and she is also the answer to our friend Salim's prayers. Uh, they've been married for about 15 years, I think. And uh, they have two beautiful kids. If you look to the left two guys, there is what Salim looks like now, a little older than when he was 15. Uh, he is the director of operations at this school, and for many years he's held uh, IT jobs. Uh, he, there is an organization in Kosovo, it's an, it started out as, a, as an EU mission, that's trying to help Kosovo develop laws that develop the rule of law in the country. And Salim worked for them doing technological things. I'll interject a little story here. Uh, when, when Salim was 15 and we were hanging out with them, we would go to internet cafes. We went to what they called a disco. We just hung out and did regular stuff. And I was a computer guy. So one day, I made a picture of Salim. Well, it was a picture of a dog, but it had Salim's face on it. And I sent that off to him. And as soon as I sent it, I thought, oh no, what if I have just committed a cultural faux pas? Like, what if that is an insult? What if, you know, a lot of, a lot of uh, Muslim history in the country, what if I have just terribly insulted him? But the truth is, uh, he loved it. He asked me to make three or four more of them. And I'd like to take uh, some of the credit for his being an IT guy. Uh, I was just reading the other day that he has a master's degree in management information systems. And I thought, so do I. This is great. I'm taking some of that credit. So. So there's Salim, uh, been successful. He is also, on top of being uh, working in those important jobs, he's also the pastor of a local church in Pristina. If you go up to the upper right, you see Jeanette Gashi. Uh, she's actually a graduate of Mid-American Nazarene University, like Bonnie and I. We did not know her. She's obviously younger than us. Uh, Nikki Elkins, one of us, is going there next year. But uh, Jeanette uh, is... Well, let's go to the next page. And Jeanette is the, uh, now the wife of Emir, the other guy who was hanging out with us praying for a wife. A wife. Uh, he's also the pastor of a local church. And uh, just in the last few months, he's been elected to be the... They've gone from hiding in a back room in the dark. Uh, he is now the... What is he? He's the president of the Evangelistic Society of Kosovo. So a national leader um, in the Christian organization, obviously not afraid to to talk about it anymore, and I, I messaged uh, Salim back and forth, and he said, feel free to tell them whatever you need to say. You know, uh, we don't have to hide anything anymore, so that's what we're here to do. I know it's an old story, but I wanted to include some good things, because sometimes good things take time, and uh, this has been a great one that's taken some time to evolve, and uh, it's great to see that it worked. Uh, now, here's a little newer story. 
two weeks ago, we were at uh, our General Assembly, which is a time when people from all around the world gather, and we take care of some politics, we'll call it. We, we elect some leaders, and we talk about our Constitution and how we want to say what we believe about different things in the world. And, and I was elected, and I went, and I did that. But for me, it was more like an international family reunion where I actually like everybody. And so we got to see friends from all over the world, and we met some new friends. Uh, one of them was from Nepal, and I think there's a map of Nepal. And there you can see it. It's just south of China. I did a little comparison, and it is about the size of Arkansas. I'm guessing most of you don't know what, how big Arkansas is either. Uh, Minnesota is about 50% larger than Arkansas. Nepal has 30 million people. Arkansas has 3 million people. Uh, here is the amazing number that I wanted to tell you, though. Nepal has 125 different people groups that speak 122 different languages. I also looked it up, and there are about 125 cities in Arkansas with 2,000 or more people. So that's pretty much every city in Arkansas, we'll call it. There are some smaller ones, obviously. But imagine if every city in Arkansas spoke a different language. That's what's happening in Nepal right now. Um, the other thing that's happening, other than that complication of nobody, nobody being able to talk to anybody, uh, about 1.5% maximum, they said, uh, are Christians. And there are government and societal rules that prevent Christians from renting a house uh, or maybe your children can't go to a particular school if somehow somebody finds out you're a Christian. Or uh, in many cases, you have to leave out the fact that you're a Christian on your, uh, on your CV, on your job application. You don't want to put that you're a Christian because uh, they'll see that and they will then reject you and you won't get a job. Uh, apparently, the Hindu caste has all the power and they actively use it against Christians. Let's uh, take a moment to pray for are working in Nepal and the people that are working there. Father God, thank you for people who are willing to sacrifice for you, who are willing to share your message in, in places that are difficult. And we just pray for the people working in Nepal that you will give them wisdom, that you will give them contacts, that you will help them with the barriers of um, transportation and languages and cultures and that you would, your work would be done there. We give you all the praise for that, dear Lord Jesus. Amen. And I'll add that the guy we met who is trying to lead some of that work, uh, he wasn't depressed, he wasn't complaining, he was just saying, this is what it's like. We told him, if you could tell our church one thing next week, what would you tell him? And he said, well, tell him about this. So, so there you are. He wanted to just share that this is what his life is like, not, not that he was complaining about it at all. Uh, another lady that we met last week, we'll call her Genesis. That's not her real name, but it's one of the names that she goes by. Uh, I would love to introduce you to her. Uh, she's a vibrant young lady in her 20s, and uh, maybe in a couple of years, she can be standing here and talking to you instead of us. And I want to show you a picture of her, but uh, she is a single lady living in a dangerous place, and it is her dream to live in an even more dangerous place. Uh, so... I, if afterwards, if you'd like to talk to her, talk about her, talk about what she's doing, and we would love to share that with you. But in the meantime, if you are single and man, and maybe about 30, then we should definitely talk afterwards because uh, I think she pretty much gave me permission to tell you all that's true and uh, that I don't want to say she's on the hunt, but she's, she's there. She's ready. Uh, let's see. Yeah, so we'd be happy to share you more and 
Let's pray, pray for, for, for Genesis. Father God, thank you for Genesis and the heart you've given her for missions and the specific people that you've put on her heart to minister to. We pray that you will continue to open doors for her and that in your timing she will be where you have called her, to, where you have placed on her heart to be. We thank you that in the meantime she's making a difference where she is. We just pray that you would be with her, give her your peace and your patience and bless the work that she's doing. In Jesus' name, amen. And uh, so Genesis is not from America, and that's another thing that's changed a lot since, uh, we'll say, in the last 20 years when it comes to missions. Uh, In history, when a missionary would stand up here, it was typically a guy who looked a lot like me and sounded a lot like me. Now, over the last 15 to 20 years, we have been growing up missionaries wherever they are. Uh, We are now sending out missionaries from 64 different countries, So all the missionaries aren't coming from the U.S. and going somewhere. They're growing up wherever they are in 64 different countries. And from those 64 different countries, they have been sent out to 81 uh, different countries. And uh, here's another thing that our our church does a little bit differently. I'll start it with a joke. And it'll take you a minute to get it, I'm going to guess. How do you know you've met an extrovert accountant? Anybody know? He looks at your shoes. All right, that was a little slow. But we'll move on anyway. So imagine you are a typical introverted accountant. And you hear, like many uh, mission organizations, that you have to raise your own support. And I know some guys who, as soon as they hear that, they're going to go, that's not for me. I'm not going to go stand up in front of anybody. I'm not going to tell them what I'm doing. I'm not going to go beg for money. Especially if you're an accountant, that doesn't seem like uh, you know, the right thing to do. So here's what our organization does differently. Every one of the churches around the world contributes to what we call uh, the World Evangelism Fund. And uh, I just want to make sure I don't uh, miss this. And I know that if God calls you, he is big and he can can do whatever. He can help you raise funds even if it's not what you want to do. He can help you be extroverted even if that's not your natural uh, way of being. But I also know that there are people who work for mission organizations where you have to raise your own support, and the support doesn't come in. So then you're worried about, well, where's my next meal going to come from? Are we going to have to move somewhere? Are we going to have to sell our car? And a lot of that is um, avoided the way that our organization does missions because you have all contributed, knowingly or not, uh, because you're here and you give uh, faithfully to Faithbrook, Uh, then Faithbrook then donates, gives uh, a portion of that income to the World Evangelism Fund that pays for the missionaries. So their salaries, health insurance, life insurance, housing, education. I remember going from my, you know, work downtown Minneapolis job, and a few months later I wake up in Argentina. I wake up and I think, I woke up in a bed I don't own, in a house I don't own, I drive a car I don't own, I walk across the street to an office I had nothing to do with, you know, and I'm just like, How? How did we get here? You know, what have we done? This is a crazy thing. So one of the ways that we are different is that we allow people to focus on what they're good at. So an accountant, for example, who might not be very good at standing up here and talking about the work going on around the world, but they're really good at accounting, uh, they can now be really good at accounting and their livelihood isn't based on how, how well they can raise money. And that's one of the amazing things that we do. And it's different than any other mission organization. The other thing that we do is, uh, for example, we have been on the border between Poland and Ukraine since the second day of the war. 
and we have some friends there. And because of the infrastructure that you have helped build, financial infrastructure and people infrastructure, if you right now went out to the website and said, I would like to donate $100 to the work in Ukraine, on the border specifically, you, uh, you know, do your transfer, write a check, whatever. 100% of that $100 is going to end up in Ukraine because as an organization, we've already taken care of the people and the financial infrastructure to get that money from here to there. So those are two of the things that we do uh, differently that I think are relatively amazing. Um, missionaries who are sent out like us by the global church and supported by the global church, uh, they now do two-year terms, and so they work from two years to, I don't want to say infinity, but we know some, some missionaries who've been around a long time. Um, we also do another thing called, uh, they just changed the name, what's it called now? Sponsored missionaries. So there are some missionaries who, who maybe don't feel a call to go forever, but they can do a short-term uh, job from, I don't know what the minimum was, but the maximum. Up to two, up to two years. Uh, up, up to, to four, four years in two-year contracts so, as well. Yeah, so they, they do uh, shorter-term things, um, and they do sometimes raise their own support, but it's for a very specific purpose, and uh, then they, they complete that, and then they either go back home or they do it again, or they, they find another mission that they want to be a part of. So uh, one of the things that I want you to remember, uh, if you forget everything else, is that there's not really anything that special about us. Uh, we are not super holy people. You know, we are not preachers or teachers or, um, or anything like that. We, we <laughs> I, the, the words I just thought in my head are almost insulting, but we have practical skills, and that's really what we have. Uh, we are not even necessarily inspirational other than in our commonness or in our normalness. Um, and some of the peace that we had uh, doing our job was knowing that we didn't have to think about where our next meal was going to come from or, or you know, whether we were going to be afford, able to afford to stay or any of that because uh, we were already well supported. So some of, the, uh, some of you might be thinking, maybe, I, I would like to think that maybe some of you out there might think, wait a minute, if those normal people can do it, maybe I can do it too. And uh, if you're interested, Bonnie... Bonnie looked at the list of things that are currently available, and we are available afterwards to talk about everything. We know the process, or at least we did, inside and out, and we know a lot of people who are still doing the work. Um, yeah, we can tell you the real-life experiences. Uh, there's a lot of them that we'd like to share, uh, but there just isn't time, so I'm happy to share. We have thousands of stories that are more about uh, Eng uh, Spanish mistakes we made, getting fleeced by a police officer for uh, a bribe, uh, you know, uh, accidentally offering a bribe to a different police officer. You know, we have all sorts of stories like that that are, that are very interesting that we're happy to share with you. Um, but, fun. Um, the next slide is a, just a word cloud of some of, the, the, some of the descriptors of the jobs that are available right now. There are 84 positions as of two days ago that were listed with the Church of the Nazarene for, for missionaries. And... Um, I didn't repeat them on my list because I was typing it all up myself, but um, you can see volunteer, assistant, occupational therapist, IT assistant, uh, teachers, uh, dean of administration, um, social media specialist, communications assistants, general maintenance, cafe assistant, barista, 
Whoever thought a barista would be a missionary, right? Sports coach, translation assistant. There are all kinds of jobs that are not, if you are not a theologian, there are plenty of jobs out there that you can still do. Um, there's youth coordinators and urban ministries and engagement assistants, uh, district developers, pastors and professors. Um, so there is a place for you wherever you are. If you feel like God's speaking to you about pursuing being a missionary, um, there, there is a place for you to, to serve and for your gifts. Um, so just to wrap up for us, I'd just like to pray um, for anybody who might be feeling a call to missions or know somebody who does um, and the support that we could offer. Father God, we thank you so much that you love us and that it's not just the church here in the United States and Canada that you love, but you love your church around the world. And you love every single person on this planet. We thank you that we get to be a part of a church that cares about people around the world. And dear Lord, I just pray today that if there's anybody who's you've spoken to who feels like, hey, maybe we could be, maybe we could be missionaries. I, I never knew that. I never thought of that. That you would just continue to speak to them and work in their lives, that you would um, open doors and close doors to lead them in the direction that you would have them to go. And we thank you for, for all of the missionaries that are currently serving, away from their families, away from their loved ones, that you would just be with them, that you would bless them, bless the work that they're doing, not for their own sake, but for your sake and for your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. And like I said, we... Uh... We're available anytime, not just today, but any other time. If you want to talk about the process or our experiences, we are happy to share. And I know that Pastor Jim has a couple more opportunities. Could, could we show our appreciation to the walkers? Thank you, guys. Excellent. I love to hear about courageous stories. God is attracted to courage. People who be willing to say, I will go, I will do. God will supply the power, the inspiration to provisions. And these uh, people um, several years ago were just young. And they said, we're willing to stop what we're doing. And we're going to go to a place we've never been before. And God supplied. And God remarkably used them. Those excellent stories about just teenagers in the back of a room praying that they would hold their faith. And then God provided through the years. Rich and Bonnie, uh, as Nazarene missionaries, inspired them, uh, modeled for them. And the next thing you know, God is using them for the next generation. That's a story of courage. That's a story of God's spirit uh, moving here, near, and far. And so what can we do to be courageous? Uh, they spoke about maybe um, experimenting with the mission field of going to a place that's maybe not as comfortable, that would take some courage. We want to give you uh, an opportunity next year. Our church is sponsoring a, a short-term missions trip in March. They're going to South America, same places where the, the walkers served, and in Brazil where the Amazon is, is there. And this is going to be a very unique trip for 10 days. Uh, our uh, people, if you would like to sign up and help, uh, they're going to be taking a missionary boat that goes up the 
the Amazon River to different villages. So you'll fly in to Brazil there. The missionaries are going to find you a nice, safe hotel or dorm or someplace. And then most of the days you're going to climb into this missionary boat and they're going to go up to a, a village and there's going to be 15 Faithbrook people pile out and they're going to go share the gospel, love people, uh, play with the kids, maybe show the Jesus film and present the gospel of Jesus Christ and then get back in the boat and go back to the dorm or the base camp and do that for a couple of days. So that's March 7th through the 17th. Uh, it costs around $2,100 at this time for airfare. If you're thinking about that, we've, there's already, already seven, eight people signed up to go. Stephen Flynn, uh, he's uh, one of our bass players here. Is it Stephen, you in the house? Right up here, could you stand, right? Him and his team is going to be out in the lobby if you'd like more information. In fact, they're giving away these uh, bracelets for just to pray for the team, be thinking of the team. Um, so meet them, if, and they're already doing fundraisers uh, to get the team going for this coming March of 2024. It takes some courage, but it's life-changing. It's awesome, and you don't have to stay down there forever. You can come back home. Yes. Well, the other way that we can be courageous is also support. Uh, Rich and Bonnie talked about 84 different positions around the world that are available for average people to uh, theologians uh, to go and to help. Well, every one of those positions is a missionary position that needs some funding. And a lot of times people cannot fund themselves or don't have those skills. Uh, they don't have a home church or whatever. So they're counting on churches like us to help fund them. So every year we present an opportunity for people here at Faithbrook to support our Nazarene missionaries. There's over 500 contracted missionaries or volunteer missionaries around the world. By the way, if you're interested in this, the Church of Nazarene, we're just one of 31,000 Nazarene churches around the world. The sun never sets on the Church of Nazarene. When we're sleeping, there's a Nazarene church on the other side of the world with pastors and people that are sharing and caring for people. The sun never sets because people like us give that there's a missionary, there's a hospital, there's a school, there's a nurse there in the name of the church in Nazarene sharing for people. The only way that happens is that people give generously. So we want to give you an opportunity to give to support our missionaries around the world, these 500 and maybe hopefully 84 other people that don't have to worry about raising their own money. That paycheck just comes they can just be assured of that and stay on the front lines of missions. So when you came in, we gave you a little pledge card uh, here, near, and far. And we were going to ask you to pray about maybe what you would be willing to give. Now, I know this might be your first time. Maybe you're just watching us online or second time. We're not here pushing for money, and we don't want you to leave feeling guilty that you didn't give to these missionaries. Maybe this is the first time you've been in church in a long time. That's cool. But for many of us, we're like, we want to give. I know for Terry and I, we see it as our Christian duty. We know Christ tells us to be witnesses not only right here in Maple Grove and Champlain area, but to also help people we might never know in Kosovo to Nepal, etc. So how can we do that? Well, we will budget our money. We will save some money and set aside every month an amount of money that automatically goes to, through Faithbrook to these missionaries around the world. And so we want to give you that opportunity to think about 
maybe what you could give. Uh, maybe there's a amount, a dollar, like $100 or maybe $500 this year from June to June that you would be willing to give. You put your name on this card and your email, and then you'd slip it in to our offering box. We've got a couple of offering boxes here, and this would go into our planning center uh, that would just give you re email reminders. Hey, you pledged $500. Thank you very much. Uh, you've already given $150. Da, 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 da. And that's how we kind of calculate. We are, Our goal, our hope, is that all together throughout this next year, we'd raise $20,000 collectively to help these world missionaries around the world. Um, so I'm going to encourage you to pray. Maybe uh, you need to take this home or maybe you need to write a note uh, just real quickly to your spouse or somebody say, hey, I'm thinking about this is what God is putting on my heart to give to world missions. <clears throat> also in our church giving app, if you haven't downloaded uh, the church center app, it's really cool device. Instead of writing a check or putting cash, uh, you can go to our, our church app through the planning center and go to the, the giving um, Link, it just gives you how much you want to put in there. Let's say it's $50, and you say next, and it says it has you gives you an opportunity to give it to general, that's our church locally here, or a drop down menu, and there is the missions button. I want to give $50 to these world missions, and then it's going to ask you a one time fee. Or is that going to be a reoccurring fee? So for Terry and I, we, we hit the reoccurring fee. We went a certain amount to go every month. They're going to ask us for our, our debit card or a bank account number. And so we don't have to worry about it. We are just willing to give that because not only do we want to reach people here, but we also want to reach people uh, on the other side of the globe and around the nations and supply these Nazarene missionaries uh, because God is doing some incredible stuff here, near, and far. So would you just t take your card, if you have one, with me? And we're going to just pause before we leave and just think about maybe if God would want us to support uh, a family member, a missionary uh, that could use our financial funds and our prayer to, to encourage them. So let's pause. Gracious God, we thank you that you died for every person around the world. Uh, no matter what uh, their culture is, their language is, everyone needs you. We're so thankful, God, that you still call courageous people, some short-term, some long-term, to be missionaries, witnesses for you. Help us to be courageous, God, maybe to just sacrifice some money, uh, to, to budget some money that we can support these courageous people on the front line around the world. Give us that number. Help us to be um, responsible and faithful to that number, and you will supply our needs. We pray these things in Jesus' name. All right. Uh, appreciate that. So I'm going to ask the, the walkers to, uh, why don't you walk out and intercept people out there? And Stephen's already out there. Why don't we stand and uh, find somebody you don't know and tell them, introduce yourself and tell them have a great week. Would you do that? You're dismissed. <laughs>